Hi, and welcome to Going Within is the new Going Out. It's your mindset coach, Carol Ann Reed here, and together in this podcast, we're going to be tuning out from the outside world and deep diving within. Because after all, that's where the magic happens. And welcome to our sixth episode, our final episode in this manifestation mini series. And this one is all around what I call mortality motivation. And I think the first question that I'm going to ask is why do we wait? So what is, we're going to go straight in there, straight at the deep end. What do I mean by mortality motivation? If there is something over the last eight years of me going on my own personal development journey, therapy, spiritual awakening, and helping and supporting, guiding other people on theirs, it's this. We so often as human beings wait for the near-death experiences. We wait for the illnesses. We wait for the losses for the traumas to happen. I call these the defib moments. We wait for those defib moments to happen. And then also we're like, oh my God, life is so short. Oh my God, life is so precious. Oh my gosh, I just, I, I, I need to start doing things. I need to start achieving my goals. I need to start spending t- more time with my children. I need to just go after my goals. And it's great. It is great. I, I work probably about, probably about 60% of the clients that I work with come to me from a place of pain, come to me from a place of where do I go from here? Something has kicked, started this, okay, enough is enough moment. They've had the defib moment and they're like, right, the pain of that has triggered me to want to make change. I need to, I need, I need to get away from that change. And that is what I mean by mortality motivation. It's not just linked to death or anything like that. That's a biggie for a lot of people. It was for myself. That is such a big cause of motivation. And we're going to look into this. I'm going to share a personal story with this. And I urge you to dive in. And I really hope that this helps to light a fire in you. But I also want you to keep that first question in your mind throughout this episode why do we wait? So back in the day, I used to really struggle with my mindset, with my self-talk, with my confidence, mental health, the whole shebang. And I genuinely just presumed everyone did. And I know some of you will have no doubt heard me speak about this, maybe even read about it in one of the warrior books, in the toolkit books, that it was when I went through a loved one, it was a loss of, through suicide, that it was this almighty, it felt like every part of me was stripped away. And I was, I saw life through a lens that I would never wish on anyone, anyone to ever, ever, ever have to look through that lens. But that was, well, it it was the lens of grief. It was the lens of loss, which so many of us look through and have looked through but there was the questions of why there was guilt there was shame there was blame there was oh emotions that I just didn't even know existed within and I remember having this moment where 
and I'm, 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 I'll share it. It was like, I remember the exact pivotal moment. I was on stage and we'd heard. And I was very much, if this doesn't just show where I was at that time in terms of being such a people pleaser, like, oh, the people that I worked with back then were just incredible. They still are incredible. And this is not nothing down to them. It was purely me. I found out and like devastated. It absolutely floored me. And we had, I was working in a tribute at, at the time and they were instantly like, we'll, we'll cancel tonight's show. And my instant thing was, no, we can't cancel the show. I've, I, I, I will do it. I will somehow find a way to move through those two hours. I will go on stage. I put the wig on. Everything's good. The boots all go on. That's it. And like, again, that is just the biggest evidence of people pleasing, fear of judgment, fear of letting anyone down at the time. I would never, ever do that now. And I stood on stage and I had to sing the ABBA song, um, SOS. And I stood up at the front and the lyrics, um, oh yeah, I can hear them in my head right now. And I'm sure you no doubt say them or Google them after. And there was just something that, and in the distance, in the faraway distance, in the hills in Spain, there was a lightning storm happening. It was very beautiful, very mystical. And I had this like out of body experience. I was like, how? How has this happened? How is it that someone who had so much life left to live, someone who was so loved, someone who was so valued, didn't feel that that was enough for them to stay? Now, I, I will obviously do a trigger warning up at the beginning of this episode. But it was like, how? Why? And I remember seeing this lightning and the lyrics that I was attempting to sing. It didn't come out that great at all. My uh, my lovely partner that I was singing with, she stepped forward, she stepped in, and I could see, I could, I could feel it right now. There was so much love, so much love and so much support there. That was my mortality motivation moment. That was the moment where I was like, I'm either going to have to go down with this because it felt like felt like the darkest shadow had erupted within me. It was a real dark night of the soul moment. But also something, something within me questioned like how, how, do, I, how do I help change this? I can't undo what's happened. I came to this, not in, not, it wasn't all in that moment, but it was like, I either, I either choose to go down with this and this will be something that is the biggest chapter in my life and it will, it will take me so spiral. It will just, it will be the part that breaks me. Or I can choose to move forward through this. And it was, it was a choice I made to, that was the, the last year of us working abroad I wanted to go to therapy. I wanted to explore mental health. I wanted to, it was like a need to know. And obviously understanding grief now is that sort of a part of the work that I do, working with grief, working with trauma. I understand that was also a survival mechanism. I, I needed to try to make sense of it because I couldn't, I, I couldn't find out. It was, it was like this need to know. So I went down the more investigating route and I am now so grateful for those choices that I made 
Now, I share that and I do a lot of talks around this, around the mortality motivation. There was that, there was another moment where a health scare, a health scare with my dad. We, he went through scans, he went through and there was a miscommunication. And when he rang to see if there was any results, I mean, my dad works in, um, he works in the NHS and he, he works in a certain department where he basically understands the lingo of what happens if you start to go down a cancer diagnosis path. And the person on the other line basically read something out and was like, da, 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 da. okay, that meeting, da, 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 da. And my dad, we instantly were like, they've already had a meeting about this before he's even got his results. We had about a week to two weeks. And if you've ever been through this yourself or somebody else, you'll know that gut-wrenching feeling where you think you already know the answer. And you go to every every possible scenario in your mind. And I even with the work that I do, my mind went to the darkest of corners. Oh my gosh, did it. But even before we found out the answers, I felt that sense of mortality motivation kick in. We speak most days, like my dad's like my best friend. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so blessed that he's still with us. And we were so blessed that the diagnosis wasn't that. They had actually sent him back for further tests and it came back benign, which is just, oh my God, the gratitude for that. But what that caused was I went straight into researching. I went into juicing. I went into buying gallons of pomegranate juice. I went into, and that's the mortality motivation. But I want to reflect this back on, I want to mirror this onto you. Has there been any moments in your life where maybe you've experienced near loss or loss or near diagnosis and you your brain suddenly was like, right, I'm going to dust my running shoes off. I'm going to start doing my juicing. I'm going to make more effort to go and see my grandparents or aunt or... And next thing, because like, let's be honest, we live in such a busy world that sometimes it takes that for us to go, oh gosh, one day I might not have that. What if one day things are different? And then that relights the rocket up our butts to then go and make changes, which is fantastic. And I am the first to say that, I mean, that <clears throat> quite literally changed my career path. I've gone on to help thousands of people and I can now hand on my heart say, I am so grateful that I moved through the experiences the way that I did, embracing this motivation. And I do so in honour of their souls, in honour of their spirits. I can feel the tears coming. And I really do. I see it as I chose to carry a torch. I want to carry that light forward. Not everyone does that. Not everyone has to do that. That is a very personal choice. That feels like it's part of my soul contract. Feels like a reason why I'm here. But what is it that it made you want to do? And did you carry on? So as I shared that story about my dad, and how I was juicing every day. Do you know what I ended up stop stopping doing? I stopped juicing every like twice a week and making him down celery juice that he absolutely hated. And now even myself as I'm sharing this with you now, why do we stop that? What like if there was the scare 
we should keep going with the things that we thought were going to be the prevention. Or we should keep going or we could keep going with the things that we thought could make the difference. So if the grandparents are poorly and you start visiting them daily, weekly, the next thing, they're like, oh, they're all right now. And then before we know it, we slip into seeing them monthly or just at Christmas. Or we go from speaking to our friend that moves to Australia, we do it weekly, the next thing it's fortnightly, and then next thing it's just, just on Facebook. And then it isn't until they have a kid or they get married or there's a loss there and all of a sudden, oh my God, I should be keeping in touch. Now, I get it. Life gets busy. I absolutely get it. And this is where I'm having, as I'm speaking live right now, these realizations about the bloody juicing. Why do we not keep doing it? Because life does get busy. But this is where we can start to prioritize the things that we think may be prevention and the things that are going to help us to live a more happy, healthy, fulfilled life. Because we're going to come back around to that first question. Why wait? If there is a change that you want to make in your life right now, if you are, and this is something that I, again, with um, clients that I work with, I sometimes work with people around limiting beliefs and subconscious things around why they just they just can't lose weight. They've tried everything and they've kind of come to the conclusion that there must be something underneath the surface. It might be trauma, it might be beliefs, it might be inner child. So sometimes it takes that diagnosis from the doctors to say, listen, you're borderline diabetic. And it's that word borderline that tips us over the line. But why wait? Imagine if you were to start to look at your life and this is where I'm going to share something that's a little bit of a strategy that I use with certain clients is some people are really motivated by goals. I would call them forward goals where you set a goal in the future, let's say to, I'm just going to use the the diabetes one, to get the blood pressure down, to be at the bottom end of the scale where you're not near that tipping near diabetic, where you're able to run a 3k, moving up to a 5k, you're able to feel good, you feel like you can catch your breath when you're running around. Some people get really excited by the idea of that toward goal, let's call it, forward or towards the goal. They just need to be able to hear it, see it, that taste it and touch it in their mind, believe it's true. Boom, that's enough. They are off. Those are the toward goal kind of people. Then we have the other kind of people where they are away driven. This is where the mortality motivation often kicks in, where they have to get near the borderline of diabetic to then go, right, I'm going to clear my cupboards out. I'm going to hire a PT. I'm going to do some inner child work around what I'm, what might be blocking me here. I am going to stop drinking three cans of Coke every day, even though up until that moment of the doctor's diagnosis, they would go as far as saying, I'm addicted to Coke. I'm addicted to drinking a Coca-Cola every single day. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, they're questioning, they're challenging their beliefs because something has shook them. Therefore, they are driven away from the pain. Can you see the difference there? Therefore, they are away-driven 
people. And I want you to kind of reflect, like I'm a bit of both. I'm probably more, I'm more toward driven, but I sure as hell can have a lot of certain areas of my life where it's, I am a, I am away driven. Um, so I, I urge you to reflect. Do you wait for those defib moments where it's like, right, you are on that bed and we have to kickstart your heart again and then you're going to go on the world cruise, then you're going to go and do the bungee jump, then you're going to change your career, then you're going to have the divorce, then you're going to finally propose, then you're going to start the health kick, then you're going to go and invest in yourself and coaching and in therapy. Have you got to wait for that? What areas of your life might you be waiting for that? mortality motivation to strike because I can hand on my heart say right now from working with so many people who who come to me in that place lots are signed off work lots are in a place where they feel that they're stuck now I have the honor to help them to move through that that's that's what I do that is primarily a part of my job like that's where I meet people I meet a lot like I said up at the beginning I meet 60 to 70 people in those places like shit hit the fan whatever area they're at crossroads there's trauma there's they, they just know that they need the change there's an awakening happening but they are coming from a place of oh my gosh like I have to do this now imagine if you were to come from a place of you're just deciding you are you get your ducks in a row you feel strong you're like i'm going to save up to do that journey i'm going to train to do that run and i tell you a way to actually oh gosh i am i'm just going to share this because i personally sometimes use this and one of my old mentors we would be laughing our heads off right now because i i genuinely think that some people just get mortified by this analogy but i'm going to use it because this worked for me, it worked for her. <laughs> it works for about 85% of people, for some people not. And that is, if you were to have a gun to your head, what would you do? If you were to have a gun to your head, could you go and find, could you go and make 200 pounds? If you had a gun to your head, could you not drink Coca-Cola for the next six months? Now, this is where I'm going to be totally honest. There are certain things in my life where I kind of have to play with that idea because I am driven by the away stuff as well. And I'm like, right, if I had a gun to my head, and this is where I'm saying this is not for everyone because <laughs> it sounds terrible when I say it out loud. You might say the opposite. If I was to be given a million pounds, would you stop drinking Coca-Cola for six months? Would you quit your job and go and train and do something else would you so can you see like choose your are you toward the goal like the million pounds let's say or is it the away goal okay you got the gun to your head kind of scenario <laughs> but this is the power of the mind this is where you don't have to wait for those moments you can play with that in your mind and honestly this is what I do with myself sometimes in business I actually took action on something last night and I honestly only remembered about this about 10 30 this mo uh, this morning just before going to bed there's been this goal that I've had in the back of my mind for ages years in fact and it's a big goal 
big, 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 big goal. And it, there's a big financial investment involved. And I had a moment of, I didn't want to have to, I, I'm going to almost try and just piece back what made me do it last night. So what I did was I inquired about hiring basically a cinema, like a theatre, an auditorium to do this live experience that I've had in my head because it's going to be life-changing. It's done. It is done. It's in the future. It is done. And for the last 18 months, two years, about 18 months since I've had the idea, I've just not taken the action. I've been on the website. I've worked how many how many thousands of pounds I'd have to invest in hiring it up front. But did I hit the inquiry button? No. Did I ask to go and view it? No. It was playing around. So that toward goal hadn't lit me up enough. And now I'm reflecting on it. The question that went through my mind was, why not now? If I don't do this now, when? Another 18 months is going to go past. If I don't do this now, when I genuinely believe the next pandemic, the next crisis that we're in is mental health. I I could have 200 people. I could, well, 180 is the capacity. I could have 180 people having a life-changing experience and we're doing this all together. And I had to do this like half toward goal scenario and half if I don't do this now, when? If I don't do this, someone else might do it. If I don't do this now, like, what am I even doing? If I had a gun to my head, what would I do? And I, I, I filled it in. I'm just being totally honest. It was that. If I had a gun to my head, would I do it? Yeah, I flipping would. And I filled it in. And I'm not going to lie. I'm going to check my emails right now. <laughs> but sometimes that's what it takes. That is what it takes. So I'm hoping that this has no doubt opened, and I've not had an email reply yet, I've just looked. I am hoping that this has inspired new ways of thinking. Are you just going to keep waiting for that mortality motivation to strike in those defib moments? If you have had those moments in the past, what can you take from them to move forward with? It's never too late to find the motivation. You don't want to go, oh God, well I've been through all that now, now I'm just stuck. No. Take some motivation, revisit it. What What is it that you can move forward with? And if you're a bit like myself, where you're in that in-between, you're that toward and the away goals, like pretend that there's a million pounds on the table. Pretend that whatever is going to light you up and then take some action. Take the action towards what you want in your life. And this is where the manifestation comes in. Because when you start to take that aligned action, when you start to go, do you know what? You get that fire lit within you, your vibration changes, your energy changes, your perception of what's possible for you shifts. So I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to catching you on the next one. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, I would be so grateful if you could share this with a friend who you just know would love it too. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you'll be the first to know when next week's drops. Sending you all the love and light.